to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Lots to get to here, uh, and I'm going to start off with the Project Veritas stuff first. I've got some other education-related things, of course, to get to, and then a few jab-related things also. But first, um, this Project Veritas video that, of course, has been making the rounds. I stand by what I said earlier, without a doubt, that these Project Veritas videos are certainly for some people, and there's always a good deal of information, of course, that's revealed in them. The overarching question that I have for anybody is the following. What occurred with this assistant principal of this elementary school. Does anybody believe that this is a new thing? That's my question. Does anybody think that this is new? That there are shady hiring practices within working environments where people make determinations based on what exists on a resume or how old someone is or how someone looks or probing questions that are done on purpose to weed out the undesirables. Does anyone think that this is new? This has been going on since the dawn of time. Again, it's not new, but with all of that aside, I'm still going to dive into these videos, and I'm going to get into this one first, and then I'll dive back in toward the end of this episode and mention the more recent one, and talk about the more recent one, because as I'm talking to you right now, the most recent one hasn't come out yet, but it will later today, and then I'll, of course, I'll come back on here and, and get into it. I'm bringing this up, though, because, not because, again, that I think that it's new or, um, I don't know, that, that it's 100% newsworthy. I, I, again, if people don't understand that the business of education is completely corrupt and that a lot of the people who make the hiring decisions are equally as corrupt as the entire system, then you can't be helped. Uh, you're, you're still in the matrix. You're still asleep. I'm sorry that that's the case for a great many people. But when I watched this particular video, I thought to myself, there's something else going on here that's not being commented on. And it's something I immediately picked up on. And again, I don't know if that's because I've been in the business before. Um, I know, of course, a great deal of what really goes on in the business, the behaviors of the people. But there are a number of things with, with this video and the, and the hidden footage of the, again, Kaz Cobb School Assistant Principal Jeremy Boland. Of course, the entire premise of the video was that he doesn't hire individuals if they are perceived as being potentially Catholic, that he's interested in more leftist, progressive individuals and younger individuals. Again, that, that's not new. But there are two particular things that I found interesting about the video that, again, were not mentioned in the video, and I haven't seen any of the follow-up any follow-up videos commenting on this either, and, and they probably wouldn't, because it's such a, again, I'm not tooting my own horn, I'm just saying that it's a nuanced thing that a person might pick up on 
if they've been in the business and even if they haven't, but they, but they notice particular behaviors among people. First of all, this is a assistant principal of an elementary school. He, by all stretches of the imagination, he appears to be a single man somewhere in his 40s, maybe early 50s, but I would say 40s. In these videos, he is drinking alcohol in what appears to be all of the videos. And there's some female talking to him. He, of course, is making eye contact. He's smiling. He's, he's doing all of these things. And as we know, this is what Project Veritas does, is they will put an individual that they believe will be, uh, how do I put this, perceived to be either attractive, either physically or intellectually, in front of the person that they're trying to catch. And it worked, and it does work, because these individuals are weak, and they have vices, and you can catch them again on camera engaging in all of these things, which, of course, with this Jeremy Boland guy, they did. So they must have put some pretty girl in front of him. The woman is asking him uh, pretty basic questions that, again, to a perceptive individual, they would have to say, wow, you're asking me all these questions about very specific things that sort of go on within the business. Why are you asking all these questions certainly in this way? But because it's a female and there's alcohol involved, he's, he's, he's giving it up and he's not thinking. So his inhibitions are, are of course, lower than, than what they might be. I'm not saying this guy's bright. He's clearly not that bright. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not making excuses for anything here. I'm simply saying that there's, uh, there's a couple of elements here that, that aren't being mentioned. He, here's the first. Again, the alcohol element. This is, again, an assistant principal of an elementary school who is seemingly a single guy. James O'Keefe found this guy and his crew found this guy after, of course, the video aired in a bar. They found him in a bar. Um, just kind of standing around by himself, it seemed, in, in a bar. Why, why is an assistant principal of an elementary school in a bar, in a, in, in a public bar? And I understand, again, that people would listen to this and they'd say, well, Sean, you know, it's a free country and they're adults and they're legal adults. They're allowed to drink in public and they're allowed to do this, that, and the other. And the answer to that is yes, of course they are. However, when you're in the public eye as a public school teacher or an administrator, you have to operate on a different level. The most responsible operate on a different level. I've spoken about this actually, this very issue on the show before. Again, the business of purchasing alcohol, drinking alcohol in public, who sees you, what are you doing? You know, a variety of different things. I, and I have endless stories to tell of people I worked with and the, and the habits that they engaged in. And I myself, full disclosure, caught myself again doing particular things where I thought to myself, you know what? I don't need to do that. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. It's the example. There was a, a small group of us 
on a Wednesday afternoon after school had ended. It was usually like a payday or something like that. But we would go and we would get a couple of beers uh, at what would be considered like a local BW3s kind of thing. And we would go there and, and we would just have a couple of beers after school on a Wednesday and then that would be it. Very quickly, I realized this is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. There are students who come in here. There are parents who come in here. They're seeing their school teachers drinking alcohol after a school day in public. You know, it's probably not a good idea. And I stopped doing it. I stopped going. There were, however, teachers that would do this consistently all of the time. And it was problematic. And of course, I stopped going and they would invite me and I'd say, no, I'm good. I've got other, you know, I have other things to do. And I did. I utilized my time better. I exercised. I mean, I did a bunch of other things. But the point is, is that there's a public perception that exists within the profession of education where, again, if you're a morally sound person, you're supposed to carry yourself in a particular manner and in a particular way. And you're supposed to be cognizant of your surroundings and what's going on. This is a guy, this assistant principal, Jeremy Boland, who, who is not engaging in anything that I would consider to be responsible. Again, yeah, not hiring Catholics and in only a certain age. That's illegal, and he should be brought up on charges for breaking state law, which clearly Project Veritas lays out. I mean, this is against the law. There's another element to even that that I'll get to later, which it kind of ties into this second piece that I wanted to mention, which I'll just mention now. There's a sex element to this too, and a predatory element to this. And again, to the casual observer, they might not notice what I'm talking about. Again, you have a seemingly uh, single male in his 40s putting himself in situations where alcohol is present as an assistant principal of an elementary school. And he's openly admitting in front of a, in front of a female who he's probably physically attracted to all of this stuff that's going on, and at the exact same time, on the video, he openly admits to only hiring particular individuals, usually under 30 years old, or around 30 years old, because the older they are, he claims, the more set in their ways they tend to be, in particular from a political standpoint. Me personally, I don't buy that. I don't buy that line. When he says that, I don't believe it. The reason he said it and what he's doing is he's openly admitting, without outright saying it, that he hires younger individuals because either he or the principal or the people who are doing the hiring are interested in younger people, in particular females. Because again, you know this, the vast majority of school teachers are female. And if you're a male, principal or assistant principal, and you're in charge of hiring, the likelihood of you hiring young, attractive people is, is likely. The, the chances of that are very high. I'll give you another quick example. I've even mentioned this a long time ago. In the school locally where I conducted my dissertation research, 
the teachers that I was talking to were discussing the principal's behavior and who, who the principal was and the kinds of people that the principal hires. The principal was a male and had a habit of hiring attractive females, young attractive females. This is a thing. Again, is even that new? No, it's not. It just happens to be an element in this Project Veritas video that was glossed over and actually not even mentioned. So, the hiring practices related to hiring young individuals, in particular females who are attractive, is commonplace, in particular among K-12 schools. Now, that also depends, again, on the motive, as I just said, of the person doing the hiring. For example, and it goes every possible way you could, you could imagine. But again, it all roots itself in morals and values. If the person has morals and values, then they're not focused on all of that, although you know, there's, a, there's something to be said about professional look and professional dress and the way that a person carries themselves physically. If a person looks like they take care of themselves, um, you know, they're well-kempt and they dress professionally, then they're more likely to get hired in many cases, again, in particular if the person doing the hiring is morally sound. If the person is not morally sound and has an agenda, as this guy does, and I think he has a predatory agenda, that's just my take. It's my opinion. Um, it doesn't matter if the person doing the hiring is male or female, they will hire who they are attracted to. They will hire individuals that do not threaten them. They'll hire people that they believe that they can control or have influence with or influence over. Again, this is, this is not a new thing. This has happened since the dawn of time, and it happens in every work environment. It's unfortunate, but it's a reality. This, too, is a subject that I consistently brought up when I was an adjunct professor for just a semester and when I was a guest speaker at Miami University. I would bring this up to students consistently. I would say, look, if you're in an interview and you get bad vibes from the, from the people doing the hiring, the principal, assistant principal, whatever, the way that they look at you, the questions they ask you, you know, are they asking you if you're married or if you have kids or are you single or what do you like to do for fun? You know, these kinds of questions. They're not allowed to ask you that. No, no employment place is allowed to ask you that. What you do in your spare time is your business. Which is why, again, the best answer to those questions is, is well, that's my business, but I carry myself as a professional in the public all of the time. Publicly and private, privately, I carry myself as a professional. It's a very basic answer. You're not, um, you know, you're not giving the, the interviewer what they want, which is more personal information about you so that they can make a decision as to how they can basically approach you in the future and, uh, and whether or not they can sort of, oh you know, ex exert their power or influence or status over you. That's, that's basically what they're doing. Again, the best bosses are the ones who hire very intelligent people. They, they know when they're hiring someone who is smarter than them. How many bosses actually do that? 
how many bosses actually hire people who are smarter than them? Next to no one, in particular in the K-12 and university setting, because there's always that element of feeling threatened as a boss or as an employer. They're going to think to themselves, well, you know, this person is smarter than me. I have a feeling they're smarter than me. Maybe they have more degrees, a thicker resume. Um, you know, they're not biting on my questions, whatever else. Uh, you know, maybe they want my job in the future, something along those lines. That, that's very common too. And then, of course, they'll either not hire the person or their decision will be trumped by other people and then they won't have a choice and they'll end up hiring the person, regardless of what it is. But back to my quick story is that this particular administrator had, a, again, had a habit of hiring very young, very thin, um, attractive, even specifically blonde females, if he could find them. This was his. This was his motivation. This is what was going on. He was married, had children, but it didn't matter. This this was his. Uh, this was his angle. This is what he did. And I found out about that again through the other teachers who I was interviewing for my research. They were telling me, you know, this is what this guy does. And then I actually overheard him talking about it openly. When I was talking with him and just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, he was again pretty open about it. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I like to hire, I like to hire young females. You know, it's it makes for an easier work environment, if you know what I mean." And he started, you know, acting as if I was agreeing with him, but I was just letting him talk because, again, he wasn't thinking, not a thinking person. And then, of course, as we all know, just like this Jeremy Boland guy, when you approach them. Or if you approach them and you use their own words against them, they will deny any wrongdoing. Doesn't matter if you have them on tape, doesn't matter if you're recording them, whatever it may be. It's just going to be denial, 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 and that's the way that it is. So my point is this, that there's, there's a couple of elements that weren't mentioned in the video that I think are important. And again, it's a predatory element. And it's a public recklessness element. Sex, alcohol, public perception, all of it. And a pattern, of course. We can see a pattern. He's clearly, again, like I said, drinking alcohol in at least two particular places in public. And then where do they catch him? You know, they don't catch him walking a dog or helping an old lady across the street. They catch him in a bar. They, you know, James O'Keefe approached the guy in a bar. Uh, you know, that should tell you all you need to know. This guy's motive is not education. His motive is getting women. That's, that's his motive. And he's apparently willing to tell them just about anything, including how he openly breaks the law. Now, with all of that said, there's another element in this that cannot be ignored. The assistant principal is not the only person in a school environment who engages in these kinds of hiring practices in weeding out the quote-unquote undesirables, so they, so they might say. Because there are other people in these interviews, and this guy's not bright enough to come up with all of these ideas on his own, which means who else is involved in the interviews 
and what are their stances on all of this because they have the same stances. They came up with this too. So we're talking about the school's elementary school principal. We're talking about any other vice principals that exist within the building. We're talking about any school teachers who participate in interviews, which you've heard me say in the past. I detest that. I detest that school teachers are allowed to to participate in the interview process. They have no business being in an interview as a school teacher. It doesn't matter how young or old they are, how experienced or inexperienced. School teachers are not there to hire other school teachers. Because then, again, as you've heard me say, that brings in, in an element of a um, a gossipy nature and an unprofessional nature because this, the, the person who's being interviewed will leave and then the administrators will look at the teacher and say, so do you think that this is somebody that you'll get along with? Is this somebody that you can work with? Do you like this person or don't you? It has nothing to do with credentials. It has nothing to do with anything. It has to do with whether or not they think this teacher is going to cause a problem or whether or not you'll be friends or get along with each other. Again, that's not why you become a school teacher. You're not there to make friends. You're not there to find a wife or a husband. You're not there to do any of that. You're there to teach and then go home. That's it. That's it. So my my question, again, with this particular Project Veritas situation and this Jeremy Boland guy is, who else is involved in these kinds of practices? And, and, and the answer, the short answer is, everyone. Everyone, the entire school district, is engaging in these kinds of practices. They know who they hire to be their administrators. They know this. The superintendent is aware that this takes place, or the superintendent has had one too many lobotomies and has no idea what's going on. Same thing with the school board. Look what's going on with school boards and has been going on publicly over the last two and a half plus years. Do people actually think that this isn't a thing? That this doesn't happen? Again, the naivete of the, of the human mind um, cannot be understated here. It, it, is, it is endless when it comes to what they do not know about the environment where they live or even work. It's, it's astounding to me. Again, it's just this giant black hole that just goes on forever with how dumb these people can be and absent-minded. And I'll bring up some stories later that continue to prove that. But this is not just a Jeremy Boland problem. That particular school district, countless people are doing this. And then, of course, and this is an important element too, because this happens every single time, when someone like Jeremy Boland gets caught, what does the entire castle, so to speak, castle of corruption, do with the likes of Jeremy Boland? They throw him under the bus. That's what they do. Because you can't have the likes of Jeremy Boland taking down the entire castle brick by brick. If Jeremy has any stones, he'll repent for his previous actions, and then he will go back to Project Veritas, sit down with James O'Keefe, and he will tell them that the entire district openly engages in practices like this, including the principal, the school board members, the superintendent, you name it. 
You see, Jeremy's now been placed on an island by the school district. He's all alone. Jeremy thought he had friends. He doesn't have any friends anymore. No one wants to say his name in that school district because he's kryptonite. That's the way that it works. Jeremy thought he had friends. He has none. Jeremy thought people would stand up, uh, that, 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 you know, there would be people standing up for him and coming to his aid. Jeremy is sorely mistaken. That's not the way that corrupt apparatuses work. They just don't. They will sever you limb from limb, throw you under the bus, whether you've done good things or bad things, and they will distance themselves as far as humanly possible from anything that you have said, done, believe, or got caught doing. That's the way that it goes. So Jeremy Boland is on an island all by himself now. And what has the superintendent done? The superintendent has come out and said, well, we don't do that. Well, of course. What's the superintendent going to say? What is he going to say? Is he going to say, yes, we do that. We don't like Catholics. And if you're old, get out of here, fogies. Old fogies, you know, hit the road. We want the young, plush, supple girls to be teaching here, not, uh, you know, not these old veterans set in their ways who might be conservative. He's, you know, they're not going to say that. That's what's really going on, but they're not going to say that because now they're in the business, as they always are, in image protection. Image protection is priority number one, always has been, always will be, always. That's why they've thrown Jeremy under the bus and he's on an island all by himself. But like I said, I have a tip for Jeremy. He should repent, and then he should go back to Project Veritas and say, I want to tell you that I am sorry for what I did, for what I've done. It was immoral. I know I'll never get my job back, but I want you to know that this problem is bigger than you think. And if Project Veritas has any stones, they will allow him to come back and talk and expose the larger problem. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you know this. You're smart people. This happens again everywhere in every school district all across the United States and the world. This is not unique to Greenwich, Connecticut. It's not unique to one teeny little elementary school. And he's probably making some pretty good money. I mean, he's probably pulling in seventy, maybe even eighty thousand dollars a year as an assistant principal of an elementary school. I mean, he's not really doing anything because, again, no offense to the people that are out there, but assistant assistant uh, principals of elementary schools. I mean, it's that's not a tough job. Which is why this guy apparently has all the free time to bounce around bars and you know hit on women and and do whatever it is that he's doing. So that's that's my point. Is again, you've heard me mention the two more specific points that that again weren't mentioned that might be viewed as hidden elements in that video. Um, but the bigger issue is is that the assistant principals are not the only ones involved in the hiring process in, in the hiring process and. They aren't the only ones that are on the same page of who to hire, how to hire, and what questions to ask. This is, again, this is information that is shared across the board, across buildings, across administrators, you name it. And playing dumb is, of course, 
the constant excuse, which is exactly what other principals, superintendents, school boards would have to do. This is why the business cannot exist in the future. It can't. It has to crumble to the ground. And again, later, I have more proof of that. But this is the kind of stuff, again, that is just more proof that it's crumbling. It's, you can't fix it because the problems are too deep to fix. You know, you can look at a terrible home and say, you know what, we can renovate it. We can fix it. We can, we can slap some paint on the walls. We can do this. We can do that. Sometimes you just have to take a bulldozer to it. And you have to flatten it. Even the yard and the landscape, you just start over with dirt and flat ground. And then you, you know, rebuild it a different way. But I think the education business is not only going to crumble in the future as it's crumbling now, I don't think it's going to exist in the future. Because if they try to build it back into something, they will try to build it back on the same foundation of the very problem that has existed from the start. That's my take on the, on the Veritas video. I'll kick it up a notch and, and mention this, because I mentioned this on Gab. The state of Connecticut and their Department of Education has a complaint form, which you've heard me say again on this show that Anybody can fill out these complaint forms. So I put that complaint form on Gab. And I basically just said, look, whether you work in Connecticut or not, fill out this complaint form. Say who you are. In particular, if you're a citizen in the town, I mean, you would have a little more, a little more leverage, so to speak, a little more say, you know, a, a, a bit of a bigger voice. But fill out the complaint form, fill in Jeremy's name, Use the exact laws that are highlighted in the Veritas video on the form. Use his own words, the direct link to the video, the exact quotes word for word. Fill out the form and send it in. Because you've heard me mention the, the firing process and the um, sanction process that exists with teacher licensure. This Jeremy Boland guy is not going to work again. He's done. You Google his name now forever, he's finished. If you even use Google, any search engine is going to pull up this guy's name. And they're going to go, this guy's a dirtbag. You know, this won't work. Someone will hire him and make accommodations to probably hire him. That person, of course, is going to be as leftist as he is and have the same kind of lack of moral standing and, uh, you know, lack of values that, that he has. But, you know, it, it's possible that that will happen. But as far as licensure in the state of Connecticut goes, he's, he's going to lose it because people have lost their licenses permanently in the state of Connecticut for doing far less. They've even lost it, as you've heard me say, I mean, I'm an example too, you lose it for doing the right thing. So this guy is going to lose it for clearly doing the wrong thing. But the likelihood of been, him being a school teacher or even an assistant uh, principal in the future is slim and none. It's just, I mean, you know, it's not going to happen. So don't forget about those complaint forms because they exist in almost every state for every department of education, and you can fill them out for anybody 
who holds a license, an administrative license, which is what he has. He probably also has a teaching license for particular subject matters because, again, to be an administrator, you had to have been a teacher first at some point in time. Uh, and yeah, go after their licenses. You go after their licenses, you know, they're finished in the business. They're done. You got to have some proof. And the Veritas video lays it out that he broke state law. Kicking that up even another notch, he should be prosecuted, in my opinion. Because he's openly, again, talking about breaking state law. It's discriminatory practices he's openly admitting to. In particular, based on religion. That's a big one. You know, ageism is a thing. And, and not hiring people because of, um, because of their age or their elderly status or whatever it may be. Yes, that, that can fit under certain discrimination laws without a doubt. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but I know that much. And um, he should be prosecuted. The question becomes, again, <laughs> what, what county prosecutor is going to take that up? Because that's a county you know, that's a county prosecuting decision. They're the ones that are going to have to take that up. It might be a misdemeanor, might be a fine, might be some community service. But then again, you know, they might use them as the example. Keep in mind, of course, all the politicians are are drinking champagne and laughing their asses off because they do this kind of thing all of the time. They, they throw the likes of Jeremy Boland under the bus to protect themselves. Common practice. So the highest up are, are, are laughing at this. And if prosecutors don't touch it, that should tell you something about the prosecutors themselves. If the prosecutors do touch it, then they're basically sending a message and using him as the example. And uh, they're going to break his back in that process because that's going to that's drive him nuts. So I don't feel bad for him because he's a leftist and Project Veritas basically is smarter about using leftist strategies to catch the left breaking the law and engaging in illegal behavior or immoral or unjust behavior. They're better at doing it than the left is. Again, they're fighting fire with fire. Again, you know, they're recording these people. They're using their own words against them. They're presenting them with, with their own actions to their faces. They're embarrassing them in public. They're doing all of this, which is what the left does. The difference is, is the left doesn't do it as well. Project Veritas does it pretty darn well. With that said, however, Project Veritas is not innocent in a lot of this either. They're not innocent in a lot of things. Um, you know, it's, I, I just heard the other day, based on the website and media outlet, The National File, that uh, Project Veritas sat on the Ashley Biden diary for a very long time and didn't bring it up until James O'Keefe talked about the FBI breaking into his house and searching his belongings and taking his things, looking for that diary and claiming that possessing it was illegal and they were in possession of stolen property and whatever else. They, of course, have not prosecuted Project Veritas, but they did prosecute the two women who found the diary left in the old house or apartment where Ashley Biden lived, where, of course, in the diary, Ashley Biden is openly talking about taking inappropriate showers with Joe Biden, her dad. 
So Project Veritas, again, sat on that. They didn't bring that to the public until they wanted to play the victim for an FBI raid. Um, you know, that's not cool. That's not cool. So there you go. In fact, uh, what did he refer to it as? Uh, the guy who runs National File referred to Project Veritas as conservative ink. And that's an interesting way of putting it, and it's accurate. You know, the Prager used the, the Ben Shapiro's, even the Alex Joneses, you know, some other people. They, 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 rally, they rally their bases, um, you know, with certain subjects because they know that they're going to get a lot of attention, and then they bury other things. Because as you've even heard me say here, when was the last time you heard Project Veritas talking about these shots? Talking about all these death jabs. They interviewed a nurse a long time ago, and they interviewed a Pfizer whistleblower a long time ago. That was about it. That was it. The jab genocide continues to take place. And again, I understand that Project Veritas can... Um, you know, can can walk and chew gum at the same time, and they have multiple plates spinning, I'm sure. But, you know, James O'Keefe also does dance videos, which I think is weird. But that's just me. Again, it's good work here that he did. And again, I'm going to keep bringing up these videos and continuously mentioning how it's not really a real, you know, it's not a, it's not a new thing. It's real, but it's not a new thing. And um, maybe there's some hidden elements that, that someone like me who, again, has been in the business can sort of pick out and sort of pull out of the weeds here. So that's about all I have to say on, on that. Again, it was about 38 minutes long. My apologies for the length, but I think that had to be brought up because, again, it was sort of unspoken about, about what was going on. So there you have it. Okay, now on to the continuing collapse that is American K-12 education. And it does continue. This was tossed to me by a listener of the show, and thank you for sending this to me. I didn't even know that LinkedIn had, uh, had news reports, so to speak. But this one is a kick in the teeth. It's an absolute kick in the teeth. This is by... Monica Fike, editor at LinkedIn News. It says the following, quote, School may be back in session for many, but some of the teachers aren't. Education administrators across the country, 75% of them, according to a recent survey, are heading into the 22-23 calendar year with roles that have yet to be filled. It says the teacher shortage was brought on partially by the pandemic, okay, if you say so, but it's also being driven by a complicated interplay of demand and supply in a tight job market, writes the New York Times. And here's the kicker, ladies and gentlemen. This sentence, <laughs> as if all of that wasn't awesome and ridiculous at the same time, the next sentence says the following, quote, Inequities in the system are getting worse as more affluent communities that can pay the higher salaries are luring more candidates. That's funny. The old race card up the sleeve play. This is happening in poor communities because they're poor, black, and disenfranchised, and it's not happening in white communities, and we need to make sure and drive that point home, as false as that point is, because 
poorer communities don't have the money to pay the teachers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not this is not just a urban minority poor problem. This is happening across the board in every school district in the nation regardless of race or money. It's incredible. But they have to say what they're saying because they are the left and that's what they have to do. Uh, again, not surprising the way that they write this stuff, but um, it's remarkably misleading. Again, pandemic, give me a break. Uh, yeah, th there's a million reasons. I've been over all of them <laughs> as, to why, as to why people are leaving. It's beyond evident. Uh, Helen Keller can figure this one out. It continues to say this. It says, quote, Florida's Department of Education has reported critical teacher shortages, quote unquote, with English, reading, and science being the subjects in most need of coverage. A recent survey points to morale as a major factor in retaining teachers, yes, and many report mistrust and stress, quote unquote, and that they'd rather just leave the profession than continue in their current setting, quote-unquote, with educators reporting job-linked stress twice as much as other working adults, burnout and mental health are top of mind for school districts. Many are equipping teachers with tools to help, quote, improve the classroom environment, boost retention, and ultimately benefit the students themselves, writes the Associated Press, unquote. There isn't anything that they can do to alleviate this collapse. Nothing. There's nothing they can do. What have they tried? They've tried money. That hasn't worked. They've tried signing bonuses, more money. That hasn't worked either. I'm certain that in the interview process, they're probably promising particular things for which they can't possibly follow up on or follow through with. They're probably bragging about the kinds of benefits packages that they have. Again, money. You, you, can't, you can't fix this with a dollar bill. You just can't. There isn't any amount of, of patching this over. It's an immoral line of work now. It's a degenerate line of work. Again, stories I have here in a moment will prove that and continue to prove that, but um, there's just nothing that they can do that, that will fix this. They're, they're seeing a teacher shortage on one end, and yet they're ushering in the LGBT alphabet soup on the other. They're seeing a teacher shortage on one end, and yet over here, you have Project Veritas doing what they're consistently doing. They're, they're losing teachers over here, and yet on the other side, there are endless people criticizing the education profession as I do, and frankly, most do, even though they've never been in the business. But, you know, they're, they're criticizing it, and that's making its way to local news outlets. Not to mention, of course, all of the fake stories about shootings in schools, and this, that, and the other. Yes, some of them are real, but some of them are completely fabricated. So it's a variety of things, but it really is a breaking of the mind 
to where the most moral are leaving and not even entering. The most sound-minded are, are not entering these environments, which leaves what within the environment? What kind of a person is staying within the environment? So, there you go. And here's yet another story that continues to prove this point. It's, it's not going away. This will never go away. They, the, the left is doubling down. They are quite literally doing whatever they have to do to normalize this insanity. And of course, the Marxist plight, as you've heard me say, is also to get the useless eater, so to, so to speak, and the useful idiot to carry out their mission. And it's working. I mean, they are doubling down on the alphabet agenda almost everywhere now. And uh, yes, there are stories, of course, where it's being eliminated, which is great, but then there are countless other stories where it's popping back up again. And here's one of those stories right here. This comes from philadelphia.chalkbeat.org. The very website itself sort of has this cringe element to it that they enjoy talking about things like this. But uh, time will tell. It does say this. This is the title. It says, quote, New Superintendent, 200 Staff Vacancies as Philadelphia Returns to School. And the picture that they have here is of a Namaya, if I'm saying that right, probably not, Sanchez, coordinator of the ACLU Pennsylvania's Trans Justice Program, hands out mini pride flags to families before the first day of school at Philadelphia's Gloria Cazares Elementary School in Kensington, Monday. The school was renamed earlier this year in honor of an LGBTQ civil rights leader in the city. Well, of course it was. Uh, it says the following. Here we go. Big smiles. Schools open Monday for 114,000 Philadelphia students in a district still facing a staff shortage and struggling to recover from the effects of the pandemic. This ghost they call the pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to wring this one dry, aren't they? They're just going to wring it dry. Well, why is this the way? Uh, the pandemic. Well, why is that that way? Uh, the pandemic. It's just the whipping post. It's the constant whipping post. Pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. I feel bad for the pandemic that didn't exist. It's being blamed for everything. It continues, it says, which resulted in closed school buildings for more than a year and student learning loss that is still being assessed. No, it's not. Uh, despite these challenges, new superintendent Tony Watlington exuded optimism and confidence as he, Mayor Jim Kenney, and other officials celebrated the first day of classes with pride flags. Oh, wow. It says, quote, I love the first day of school. Watlington said at the Paul Lawrence Dunbar School in North Philadelphia, we're going to do our very best, our absolute very best, every single day to create life-changing opportunities so that our children can experience life-changing outcomes. I bet that took him all day to memorize and write down. 
Uh, it continues, as a reminder of the variety of hurdles schools face, Watlington announced late Monday that 100 schools would close three hours early on Tuesday and Wednesday due to concerns about severe heat. Huh. No air conditioning? What are you doing with all that money? How about you take a pay cut and just put some AC units in the walls? In many ways, Dunbar represents the difficulties and the promise of the new year that will pose major tests for Watlington, in particular, who took over for former Superintendent William Height in June. Located in the heart of North Philadelphia, the school has nearly 100, a nearly 100% poverty rate. Last year, it enrolled only about 250 students, putting it at half capacity. Enrollment declines in cities across the country have emerged as a significant concern for many schools. And here it comes. Are you ready for that whipping post again? The old, the old dead horse? Quote, the pandemic has had a lingering effect on us and may continue to present some challenges, Watlington said. At the same time, the district expects 350 students to enroll at Dunbar this year, an increase of roughly 40% from last year. Assistant Superintendent Ariel Lahara, if I'm saying that right, apparently said, uh, the school is reportedly fully staffed, reportedly, and the school is joining the city's community school initiative that aims to provide better services and support to students in need. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop reading this article. When these schools reach out to the community, pride flags show up. See what I mean? That's what happens. In fact, sorry, there's one little section here I now have to, uh, uh, I've, I've got I've to read. Well, I'm just going to say this. They've got the pride flag waving on the flagpole below the American flag. And... Uh, this apparently elementary school made history, quote-unquote, Monday as the first school district to fly a pride flag in honor of its namesake, who is an advocate for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community in Philadelphia. Sorry. Schools are for some people. There are humans who enjoy these environments. I fully get it. What they are finding out is that the schools and the people who enjoy, well, the people who enjoy these school environments with the gay this, the gay that, the flag this, the flag that, are in the vast minority. The vast, vast minority. Most people with the spine would see this for the degenerate behavior that it is. But, you know, some people are showing up. Not enough to keep the lights on. Not enough to keep everybody employed and uh, the building filled with staff and students, but, you know, someone's showing up. So there's that. Uh, which brings me to this, and this is gnarly. This one's jacked up, and I'm familiar with this school district because I have family who attend this school district. And, uh, yeah, it, too, has gone hard left, completely gay. LGBT alphabet soup like you wouldn't believe. And I want to read some of these slides here, and I want to set this up. Okay. So I've been watching the Westerville City School District's school board meetings for quite some time, at least two years now, two and a half years, give or take. 
it's it's remarkable. This particular school district, again, is a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. It's a big school district. I believe it has at least three high schools, maybe. Um, it's big. But they've gone full hard left. They are in fifth gear, pedal to the floor, alphabet soup to the bone. Head on, head, head first into a wall, and then through the wall and off a cliff. They, they aren't stopping. So, in their last school board meeting on August thirty first, they had an individual show up who is a woman who was dressed like a man, and gave an hour long presentation on this entire agenda. So I want to read some of these slides because they had a slideshow. Why wouldn't they? And then they even stood in front of the school board and read, and they weren't standing behind a lectern. They were quite literally standing in front of them as they were all sitting at a table. It was a little weird. It's almost like this is the, this person's first presentation that they've ever given. You, you stand behind a lectern when you're giving a lecture. That's, that's what you do. Uh, she was like four feet away from them. It was strange. Anyway, I'm nitpicking. Uh, the point is, is that the slides that were on this presentation are jacked up. This, of course, is the GLSEN agenda. And there's also another logo on this slide that uh, I believe that's a Y or an I. Interact, I-N-T-E-R or Y-N-T-E-R-A-C-T. I don't know what that stands for right now. There's small lettering, uh, small words underneath it. I can't see it, but either way, it's gay. That's basically <laughs> that's that's basically what it means. Uh, again, all the rainbow, all the colors, you name it, they're all there. Um, on one of these slides, it says the gender triangle, and at the top, it says attribution how you are perceived by others. And then on one side of the triangle, it says body, how your body exists and changes. On the other, it says expression, how you present yourself. And in the middle of this gender triangle, it says gender identity, how you see yourself on the inside. Ladies and gentlemen, this is being pushed on children of all ages, without the parents' knowledge. I'm certain that the parents in this district are brain dead about what's going on in these schools because these students, in particular in middle school and high school, have classes dedicated to just this kind of stuff. Remember when we were growing up and we had study hall? where everybody just kept their mouths shut, and if you talked, you got kicked out, or you were yelled at, or whatever, but it was designed to be basically like quiet library time. If you wanted to sleep, you could sleep. If you wanted to uh, read, you could read. If you wanted to do homework, you could do homework, but it was, it was designed for everybody to just be quiet. Not so anymore. They're even changing the names of these study halls, so to speak, and then they're slipping in this agenda and this ideology within those classes. Let me give you another slide from the Westerville City Schools gay presentation. 
it was tight. Let's see. This one says, oh, there's umbrellas. Here we go. The first umbrella says transgender, and this is the biggest umbrella on the slide. Below it, it says trans women and trans men. Then below that, it says non-binary. That means gender queer, gender fluid, bigender, and agender. Honest to God. I'd yank my child or children out of this school district in an instant. There's another umbrella, cisgender. Lest we forget, cis women and cis men. And then they have their own flag, apparently. Weird. Here's another one. Additional sexuality terms. Pansexual. Pan equals all. Attraction to other people is not dependent on gender. Capable of attraction to all genders. Pansexual. Asexual. A equals none or lack of. Lack of sexual attraction toward anyone regardless of gender. Has its own entire spectrum. Exclamation point. The next section says romantic, panromantic, aromantic, homoromantic, etc. And this means, apparently, intentionally separates romantic, emotional attraction from sexual attraction. Here's another one. <laughs> Just insane. Here's another one. This is the context of the entire presentation. Historical inequities of sexual rights, history of mental health treatment, discrimination's effects on young people, and finally, isms in systems and institutions. There are more slides. Would you like to hear them too? Because they're crazy also. Let's see. <laughs> so many weird things to pick from. Let's select this one. Organizational best practices, so says the presenter. Uh, this slide says comprehensive district policy should apply equally to all schools. Provide proactive training for all staff. Provide accessible resources for teachers. That means books. Normalize pronoun use. It actually says that. That's its own box. Normalize pronoun use. Accountability measures for non-compliant staff. I'll repeat that. Accountability measures for non-compliant staff. That means it's a word that starts with B and ends with Bolshevism. Bolshevism. <laughs> That's a Bolshevik tactic, is it not? The next one says LGBTQ pride inclusivity in district calendar. They want the calendar to be filled with all their gay activities too, because why not? Let's make everybody crazy. The presenter, by the way, and her partner belong in a padded room, if I haven't said that already. This entire agenda is perverse because these people were abused when they were children, and now they're trying to normalize that abuse in their own lives by dressing as the opposite sex and then turning their brainwashing damaged brain uh, onto everyone else to just again accept who they are, but then we have to be like them. I think not. I think not. The next one says, normalize pronoun use. Uh, and Amanda Erickson, the education and training manager, her pronouns, by the way, are she, her, and hers. 
if you were curious. So that apparently is the name of the woman who dresses like a man who gave the presentation, Amanda Erickson. Uh, yeah, and she has pins that apparently they are promoting that children use about uh, pronouns that have their pronouns on them, and they should walk around school wearing, I don't know, pins with pronouns, honest to God. Here's the next slide. It says words not to use, slurs, grammar issues, and sometimes words that are okay. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Slurs, faggot, dyke, and tranny. Can't, can't use those, apparently. Grammar issues, transgenders, transgendered, and transsexual. These are grammar issues now. See, they're changing the English language, too. They're changing English grammar to fit their nonsense. Honest to God, um, I'm telling you, it's crumbling to the ground. But the people who remain... These are going to be damaged people. And the children who are taught this garbage are going to be damaged people. And the parents who allow their children to attend these environments are damaged. That's just the way that it is. Or they're out to lunch. One or both. Or, yeah, one or both. Uh, okay, the next one, sorry. It says, sometimes okay are the words queer and homosexual. Well, that's good to know. Here's another slide. This will be the last one, I promise. Notes on the word queer. Uh-oh, more lessons, apparently, we need to learn on the word queer. They say that this is an umbrella term for both gender identities and sexuality. It means anything other than cis or straight. It also is, is a word that apparently is bucking the norm. It's a verb to turn a noun upside down, or a norm, rather, upside down. This is a terrible presentation on a terrible subject. That makes no sense. And can be a slur and causes discomfort. Well, who cares? Ladies and gentlemen, they're, gonna they're going to punish children for speaking freely out against this kind of thing. Middle school, high school children who are attending these environments and don't like it, they who speak out will be punished. Staff members who speak out about this and don't normalize this insanity in their own classrooms are going to be punished. It's Bolshevism. This is their strategy. They've been doing it for a very long time, well over 120 years. And they're going to continue. It's just, this is just the way that it is. People need to be pulled out of these environments immediately. Absolutely immediately. Uh, here's another story. So all of that aside, here's another one. This was tossed to me by Jesse James, which by the way, uh, I was invited to come back on his show for approximately an hour. On uh, one of his next episodes, I believe. So if you're interested in checking out the Dangerous Info podcast with Jesse James, I highly recommend it. Always, anyway, whether I'm on or not. But um, he's been gracious enough to invite me back, and it's an honor to be back on. He tossed this, uh, th this particular story my way, too, because he knows it grinds my gears. He just knows it grinds my gears. 
this is from WXYZ.com, the local Channel 7 ABC affiliate out of Detroit, and it's titled Anchor Bay Schools Votes to Hire Retired Police and Military Veterans as Armed Security. Give this audio a listen. Bay Schools voting to keep the hallways safer with the addition of armed guards. 7 Action News reporter Alex Bozarjian is in Casco Township with a response from parents and the district. Ever since the mass shooting at Oxford High School happened, parents here have been applying the pressure. They want to make sure that the hallways their children walk in every day are safe. The Anger Bay School Board decided that hiring a private firm was the best option. What is your position as far as having armed security guards throughout the schools? I think that it's necessary. Stephanie Richards was one of only a few parents who attended the special board meeting. She respects that the district leaders are taking action ahead of her son's first day of school. In the event something did happen when you compare Oxford to Uvalde, I mean, the amount of deaths and injuries is, is a lot reduced when you have somebody there. The call for action came immediately after four students were gunned down in a school district just an hour away from Anchor Bay. Board members say they have plans to add roughly 700 door barricades to school buildings, along with other updates. But parents wanted to know, what will you do in the meantime? I share those concerns. We need to do something. And what can we do in order to provide coverage in, in the most cost-effective manner? Superintendent Phil Jankowski says they landed on a firm called Fortis. They employ retired police officers and military veterans. They work with juveniles. They've, they've dealt with school issues. Um, and they have the, the training and the experience and the background to handle a critical incident. You know, should want to occur. Fortis's chief executive officer, Brian Bastinelli, says his firm already works with Huron Valley schools. At Anchor Bay, they'd start with five officers and eventually expand to eight. Those officers would wear regular clothes and carry guns in a holster. It's somebody that is going to be integrated in the community, in the school, and kids will be comfortable with them being around. The only opposition was from board member John DeRue. He says nearby Chesterfield police could handle the job. I would be all about waiting a couple weeks, doing our the due diligence and making sure as board members, we're putting the right people in the district to protect our kids. The superintendent asserts that local departments do not have the capacity or the personnel to cover the school district. He says these armed guards will rotate through different buildings so every single school has coverage. In Casco, I'm Alex Bozarjian for 7 Action News. Okay, first of all, again, I feel bad for the mother who was there, Stephanie Richards, I believe her name is. You know, bless her heart. Um, she watches too much television, I'm sure, and, you know, she's there and, and she's really trying to help and be informed because she has children there and all of that. This, this, this is a problem. This continues to be a, a big issue here. And by the way, God bless the one school board member who said, look, we don't need to outsource our security to this, to this other group, this outside firm that, uh, that hires security. We don't need to do that. Just bring in a, a couple more police officers, lock the flipping doors, and we'll be just fine. As you've heard me say, better yet, how about you discipline students appropriately? You search their belongings when, when they're being disciplined. Uh, or they've done something that breaks the codes of conduct, and then you expel them. That's all you have to do. That's all. And then you make sure that everybody is aware of that student who's been expelled and why they were expelled, because you don't want to put 
staff members in danger after the student has been expelled because the student might want to come back and engage in, you know, some sort of retribution. Um, it's communication is the problem here. It's always the problem. It isn't more security per se, and it certainly isn't the outsourcing of security. I don't trust, I, I don't trust that. I don't trust that element. That's an odd element. Plain closed individuals carrying guns walking the hallways. I mean, are they on the beat in uh, in inner city New York, you know, in, in Harlem or something? I mean, what what is going on? Is it a school or is it a prison? Is it a school or is it a high crime institution or a high crime neighborhood rather in an inner city? What is it? Which is it? This is, this is an issue. But again, when they base their decisions based on, on half-truths and, and even lies, uh, they're the furthest thing from proactive. They are reactive to the bone. They've always been. They always will be. This is not a good thing. It looks like a good thing. Again, not to be insulting, but it looks like the good thing to the simpletons. It looks like a good thing to the people that are believing all of the panic and, again, watch too much television. You've heard me say it a million times. If, you, if, if the ch children can read, they can teach themselves. I'm shocked that people continue to send their children into these buildings with all of these decisions being made on a whim. And they are made on a whim because they wouldn't have been made in the first place had something fake or real not happened on their TV. And again, the lack of parental participation in these meetings is astounding. I mean, some of these places, again, have parents basically hanging from the rafters with complaints to make toward the school districts. But the one thing that got a lot of the mask wearing and a lot of that panic away from school board members uh, and a lot of that activism or, or common sense, whatever you want to call it, uh, what, what, what extinguished all of that was the hoax of Uvalde. See, Uvalde put all that away. So it's not about a pandemic, quote unquote, that doesn't exist. It's not about masks that don't work, that never did work, that don't do anything. It, it's not about that anymore. It's about school safety. And well, this is something that we can all agree on, and this is something where we shouldn't receive any parental pushback because who wouldn't want to keep their child safe? It was all a game. That's what makes Uvalde such a false flag, and the weaponization of that event as being fake, because it was and no one died, that it just extinguished the entire apparatus of all of the parents showing up and yelling about mask this and mask that. They're not even spending a lot of time, these parents, yelling about this, this gay agenda that's being rolled out. As I said with the Westerville City School District, they took public comments before this super gay presentation. There wasn't a single public comment. The, the president of the board looked at the sheet, looked at the sign-up sheet, said, well, we don't have any public comments, so let's just get right into the presentation. That means that you have parents who aren't even reading the agenda of the board beforehand. 
or they're just going along with it because what? Everybody just, every single person and every single family in that school district agrees with that LGBT alphabet soup presentation. It's the same thing with this when it comes to school security. Same thing. There were only half a dozen parents in that room from what I could tell. And again, they're probably all brainwashed. Because again, this is something where you're not going to get a lot of parental pushback because it would require the parents being completely awake and knowing what's going on in order to, uh, in order to push back on any of this. Ex-military and police officers, retired police officers in plain clothes, carrying guns, walking the hallways. But schools are dangerous, Sean. That's a good thing. If they're dangerous, then why are you sending your children? Why are you serving up your kids for the potential for something terrible to happen? And now you're putting all of your eggs in this basket of people you've never met who are now in plain clothes walking around, seemingly doing a job. That's probably remarkably easy. They're getting paid to walk around and just look at students. Are we vetting these people? How do we not know they're sexual predators? How do we not know they're going to cozy up next to a boy or a girl, a high school student, a middle school student, someone younger? How do you know that? You don't. Lots of angles. This is not, uh, this is not that simple. It's never that simple. The only simple thing is homeschooling. The only simple thing is removing yourselves from these environments because then all of these problems no longer become your problem. And that part of it I just love. Okay, a couple of jab-related things. Excuse me. First of all, you may have heard, or perhaps not, but that's all right. That's why I bring it up here. The website WND.com has been ahead of the curve for a very long time. Uh, It's quality. And you can no longer find this website, apparently, on the Google search engine. Apparently, there was a story out there, allegedly, that Google's just eliminated it. And here's an example as to why. On WND.com from just the other day, a story titled, quote, New Ivermectin Study Shows 92% Lower Chance of COVID Death. Hmm. Weird. Guess that's why uh, Google wanted to get rid of that. And of course, Ivermectin is listed as a remedy for getting sick from anything, pretty much. Uh, certainly from the ill effects of being around the jab. Here's another one. This is from the FDA's own website. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't good either. Uh, Coronavirus COVID-19 update. FDA authorizes Moderna, Pfizer, BioNTech, Bivalent, B-I-V-A-L-E-N-T, COVID-19 vaccines for use as a booster dose. Again. They are throwing every spaghetti noodle up against a wall, and they're trying to see how many dummies are going to walk up and lick it off of the wall. And there are people who will. Guaranteed. The first paragraph. Today, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration amended the emergency use authorizations, EUAs, of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine and the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine to authorize bivalent formulations, I assume I'm pronouncing that correctly, 
uh, of the vaccines for use as a single booster dose at least two months following prior, I'm sorry, following primary or booster vaccination. The bivalent vaccines, which will be which will also be referred to as updated boosters, contain two messenger RNA components, mRNA, of SARS-CoV-2 virus. That's not true. It's never been isolated. And there's no such thing as viruses. So it's just filled with more poison. And then it says one of the original strains of SARS-CoV-2 and the other one in common between the BA.4 and BA.5 lineages of the Omicron variant of SARS-CoV-2. Oh, it's a lie. Every word of that is a lie. There's no lineages. There's no numbers and letters. There's no variants. There's no SARS-CoV-2. None of it exists. It's all fake. The Moderna, Car- Moderna COVID-19 vaccine by Valent is authorized for use as a single booster dose in individuals 18 years of age and older. The Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine by Valent is authorized for use as a single booster dose in individuals 12 years of age and older. The monovalent COVID-19 vaccines that are authorized or approved by the FDA and have been administered to millions of people in the United States since December of 2020 contain a component from the original strain of SARS-CoV-2. No, there are no strains of SARS-CoV-2. There's only poison. And the only people who are taking these are people dumb enough to take multiple shots of poison. That's it. I feel bad for them because they're brainwashed and not awake. If they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. But they don't know what they're doing. And therein lies the problem. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up with this now. This is the latest Project Veritas video that just came out. And um, this is the part two of their what are they teaching our kids thing. Um, Nothing surprising here again. It's a private school called the Trinity School in New York City, run by leftists, taught by leftists. Most conservatives would never even attend this school. And again, their investigative undercover reporter guy has taken out a leftist on a date, on at least two dates. Again, drinking alcohol. She's thrilled she's receiving attention. Again, just describes what goes on in the building. Not liking conservative students, not really a place where they can speak up or say anything. And then he coaxes her again into basically saying that it would be okay if they had a drag queen story hour kind of thing. And the guy claimed that one of his friends was a drag queen, and that was it. Again, not surprising. You know, I hate to rain on the parade here, but it's it's just not surprising. Uh, that's like being surprised that a horse barn smells bad. Or any other, you know, blatantly obvious metaphor that could possibly be used. It's a leftist school. They hire leftist activist individuals. What are they expecting? And like I said... What conservative in their right mind would send their children to a New York City school? 
I don't know of any. It again, geographically speaking, it pretty much goes without saying that uh, you know there, there, there's a certain ilk, so to speak, that would attend those schools, probably funded by the World Economic Forum directly, for all I know. But there you have it. So her name is Jennifer Norris, no relation to Chuck, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, again, not surprising. Um, I, I think the first, the first one was was way more revealing. But as I said at the beginning of this episode, even Project Veritas didn't dive into what was really the hidden agenda behind the Jeremy Bolin guy. There's probably another agenda there that is that is beyond not wanting to hire Catholics. But this, again, with this Jennifer Norris in the Trinity School in New York City, not surprising. Okay, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. I will not be here on Monday, but I will be back on Wednesday and, of course, next Friday as well. So have a great weekend, and I'll catch you next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.